Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming, action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. As you can probably hear, I'm almost over that cold and sound better. I want to thank the hundreds of people who sent Get Well cards. <laughs> the Pocahontas Reframed Film Festival raises awareness about Native American language, cultures, and societies through films that share a Native American perspective. This year's festival runs from November 17th through 19th at the Virginia Museum of History and Culture. I mean, at one time, I was, my face was actually covered in human feces because we were cleaning. And they're like, you got to wipe that off. And I was like, nah, it's the job, man. Let's do it. So, yes, I mean, I'm really lucky. My job is to help people, no matter how bad the situation. That's Matt Paxton talking about one of his more interesting experiences on hoarders. Matt was born and raised in Richmond and is considered one of the top downsizing and decluttering experts in the country. His show, Legacy List with Mac Paxton, is on PBS, and he's also been a featured cleaner on the hit television show Hoarders for 15 seasons. Matt tells great stories about some of the things he's found, how he got inspired, and more. In fact, we had so much fun, I divided the show into two parts. Sifter, review of the week. Quiz Lady on Hulu. In a fun switch on The Expected, Aquafina plays the introverted brainiac, while Sandra Oh gets to be the wild sister. When their mom goes missing, they have to figure out how to pay off her debts and get back their kidnapped dog. Since the smart sister is an at-home whiz at a long-running TV quiz show, she ends up as a contestant. The comic energy that drives this duo makes for a fun pairing. Tony Hale, Will Ferrell, and Jason Schwartzman add enjoyable supporting comedy moments with one surprise cameo in his final movie. While there's not a lot of outright laughter, there's plenty of exuberant energy, especially O, in her outrageous outfits and attitude to match. I gave Quiz Lady three out of five stars. Matt Paxton, welcome. First thing I want to do, I want to play you a song. See if you recognize this. All right. When you close your eyes, where do you go? There's a gate in the garden that leads to the snow. Any idea who that is? No, who is that? That is Matt Paxton. Oh, Matt Paxton from Canada. The singer, yeah, yeah. The other Matt Paxton, yes. The other Matt Paxton. It's funny because, of course, I go into Wikipedia to check stuff out, and he popped up, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. He's a daggone good singer, man. In fact, he and I, for gosh, for 15 years, we were trying to buy each other's domains, and then we decided just to be friends. Of course, I always wanted to make a TV show. I was like, let's just do a TV. He's like, let's figure out all the people with the same name, and then we switch jobs for a week. Right, crazy. (laughs) You know, I was like... That guy, he was, he's a magnificent musician, and yeah, uh, yeah. he's got a great little, but he gets very annoyed when people don't like me on Hoarders, because then he gets bombarded. Uh, right, right. I haven't met him yet, but I know it'll happen. He's in, he's, he's in Toronto a bunch. If you ever want to hear good folk music, it's Matt Paxton. That's the place to go. Good deal. So first of all, you have a longtime Richmond connection. You were born and raised here, right? Born and raised, man. I just moved two years ago. So the first 47 years of my life, I grew up in Bonaire. And uh, my dad lived in Churchill. So how did you get into the decluttering? What inspired you into that? So when I was 24, uh, my dad, my stepdad, and both my grandfathers, they all passed away in the same year. And I had to clean out all their houses. And my dad had this big house at the top of Churchill on 32nd Street. And uh, man, I cleaned that house for like three months. And it uh, it sucked. Like it was really hard. And uh, my grandfather had always said, if something sucks, do it as a job because other people will pay you to do it. 
Oh, good. And I was volunteering at Comfort Zone Camp, which is another Richmond connection. It was a camp for kids that had lost their parents. Right. So I was cleaning out houses during the week and then helping young kids that lost their parents on the weekend. And I realized it was the same conversations. I had just done it by my own family for the first year. And then old ladies at church started hiring me. And then, you know, Richmond's a small town. People say, oh, can you help my mom? Can you help my grandma? Sure. Before I knew it, I had a business. And then I just started taking really nasty houses, like the ones nobody wanted. And I took my grandfather's advice and I was like, well, this is disgusting, but it's pretty interesting. And people are paying me. It's better than a real job. And uh, so I was like, I'll just keep doing it. And here we are. I'm 49. Obviously, your dad, uh, Ed Paxson, was in the advertising business. You mentioned him earlier. Did any of his influence play into this at all when you decided to start your own business? Did he give you some advice? Because he obviously ran his own business. Or You know, the irony is... I did it because my dad died. Right. So like, it's crazy when you think about it. Like my dad, you knew my dad, he was an ad man. He was a, he was a wild man. He was, you know, I mean, Mad Men, the show is accurate. I'll say that. Right. right. (laughs) But he was respected too. So he was super respected, but he worked, he worked hard. He worked, he, he died broke. He worked really hard and he died really happy. And so I've always kind of taken that with me. I was like, well, even as I was like, I might as well go for it. My dad can make it. I can make it. And I always knew my dad would love this. My dad would love what I do. And especially when I got on TV, he would love it. And so there's always this spirit of, you know, support above me. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I would not have the career unless my dad had died. The one person I wish was here to see it all. Wow. Couldn't have had it unless he was here. And so it's one of those, you know, saving awful great things and it's just magical and like a movie you know and uh, but my i think the best story i'll tell you is i was in fort collins colorado a couple years ago giving a speech and this lady comes up and she goes are you by any chance ed paxton's son uh-huh. and my dad had been dead for 10 years at this point and i said i am how did you know and she goes well you prance across the stage like your father <laughs> And I just, it made me happy. You know, I was was like, well, there it is. There's the, you know, wherever it is, it's there. And we're all inspired by our parents somewhere along the way. Well, speaking of inspiration, I've got somebody who wants to drop in who's totally uninspiring. Surprise guest drop in. Oh, the man, the myth, the legend, Craig Martin. Oh my goodness. Surprise. Oh my God. A skinny (laughs) Craig Martin. Holy cow, man. Footnote. Craig Martin is the co-host of The Good Road on PBS. Well, first of all, it's been a while since I've actually seen Matt because he moved away and left me here in Richmond. So quick story. Uh, I guess the last time I saw Matt in person was probably at the National Daytime Emmys. We both lost. Yes. (laughs) Rub it in there, Matt. So, yeah, no, that, that was a that was a crazy evening. But the best really was the fact that when we got into dinner and all that, so all the PBS related people, American public television people were nearby. You know, we all were hoping, hoping for the big win. Yeah, for any of of us. Yes. No, you know, the world public, the world of public television is that we all kind of rally together. We commiserate. So we were so hopeful. And then it's like, and the daytime Emmy goes to, and we're all like, we're on the brink. And then it's like uh, the Kelly Clarkson show. You're like, Kelly Clarkson show. And and this is true. I think when Matt came up with best host, I was probably more nervous about Matt's 
not nervous that he he could or couldn't get it, nervous that he wouldn't get it because he was up against some pretty stiff competition. Oh, Oprah. Oprah. Yeah. I've heard of her. Anna yeah. Gaines. I mean, it was Marie Kondo. We were up against some tough people. Yeah. And when he didn't win, we were all like, oh, it was funny because everybody. I heard you across the room. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> no, Rob. <laughs> the worst for me was I, one of my editors happened to be there. And I, this guy had edited me for 15 years on Hoarders and I'd never met him before, but he, he knew my face and my voice. And I, I didn't even know who the guy was. And he comes up and he's like, man, it is so good to meet you, Matt. And he's like, hold this. He's got two Emmys. He had just <laughs> won like best director and something else. And, and this guy's like, it's so good to meet you. Will you hold this for me? And I go, nah, man, I don't want to jinx it. And I'm like, wait a minute. How is this guy that I hired won two Emmys? And then I got none. And then we walked out of there. He looked at me and he goes, you want to hold it for a second? And I was, <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. Let me hold it. So I got to hold an Emmy for about 10 seconds. It was very surreal. It was fun. We had a good time. It was it, it was, was another one of those things from you know, our weird world of entertainment that you just say, well, that was a cool experience. No, it was fun. And I'll, I'll always remember that evening. And it was made even more special, seriously, because Matt was there and, and getting to hang out with Matt and his crew. That was fun. And that's how we met. You and I met at the Emmys, became good friends after. I yeah. Mean, we've been good friends ever As soon as Matt and I, you know, actually physically talked in person it was over because you know, yeah. we had so many common you know themes in our lives and well so. and if you're in public television you have to hang out because you have to split the bill there's just no <laughs> <laughs> yes the budgets are so generous oh the budgets are tight man the budgets yes, are tight exactly <laughs> so you got anything else you want to tell us craig to embarrass matt before we uh let you go you know nothing really to embarrass matt i will say Okay, I know I'm supposed to say something funny and whatever, but as part of the TV world, you run across people like Matt, and he has been a good friend. And uh, more than a year ago, when I decided to go sober and decided it was, you know, killing me, you know, people like Matt are people who I reached out to and just, you know, said, hey, I'm doing this. But no, Matt, Matt has been a good friend, and uh, I can't wait to see you again, Matt. I will be in Richmond a lot next year. I'm super excited. Very I get to excited. see Jerry all the time. Yeah, though. right, right. Jerry. Back, yeah, right. Jerry, I really can't believe we've never met. Like, that's crazy. It and is I, crazy. I forgot yeah. that you made uh, the Dirt Woman movie. I'm like, what an amazing movie, man. Well, thank you. And thank it was you. well, and you captured Richmond, like, so well, man. Like, I had just, when you, so when that came out, I had just moved to Atlanta. There's nothing like Richmond. If you're from Richmond, you're from Richmond. And, right. and I was missing Richmond so hard. And I got to see the movie, and it was like, oh, my God. Like, that's it. Like, what a, you know, I knew Donnie as a 12. I was a bike courier on Grace Street across from the old, what was the, the Grace Theater? That, that old, uh, the old like art theater. The only art theater. Yeah. Before right, the right. school, owned, before VZN, it was a, it was a sketchy <laughs> little place. And Donnie would hang out in the, in the alley. And, you know, and I'm a 12 year old kid talking to this like 400 pound transvestite, <laughs> like it's normal, you know, yeah. and he was the nicest guy, you know, yeah. he was super kind. He was unbelievably kind. This yeah. is what I didn't realize. I didn't know y'all didn't know each other. So when I talked Matt. to Jerry, who I consider TV, yeah. Jerry is an icon here. And I said, well, you don't know Matt. Matt is a Richmond icon. And so I'm super glad that y'all were in. meeting I, of the icons. I was already following you. Like, I just followed you normally. Right, and right. someone's like, yeah, do you follow TV, Jerry? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, he's from Richmond. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, how is he from Richmond? Well, actually, I was born and raised in Florida, but I came here to go okay. to RPI. So that tells you how long I've been yeah. here. 
Okay. <laughs> well, Craig, we're going to let you go so we can get yeah, back to the... Yeah, thank you, Jerry. Uh, okay. All right, ma'am. I'll see you soon. All right. Bye-bye. So let me ask you a very basic yeah. question here, and you've probably been asked this a million times. What is the basic concept behind separating the good from the junk? And I know your book, Keep the Memories, Lose the Stuff, kind of says that, but... Do you have a nutshell of what you tell people? Yeah, that's a great question. For me, you know, how do you separate good good from bad as far as stuff goes? That's changed over my career. When I started, it was valuable, financially valuable or not. And now it's it's emotional value. Is it emotionally valuable? Is it not? And for me, it's what's the story, you know? And, and honestly, that's how I got from Hoarders to my show Legacy List. Hoarders was all about drama, you know, and just drama and sadness and trauma. And for me, I just loved the stories in the houses. So I really wanted a more positive look at things and and funny enough the show legacy list that i'm on on public television it's about finding cool stuff in people's attics and then they tell me the stories and so i really went from away from a financial value to i want the emotional value i want to know what these stories are about and so if it's about your grandma tell me about your grandma if it's about your grandpa tell me why you loved your grandpa and i just think those stories are so valuable and i think that i couldn't have made a show like legacy list in my 20s or 30s because i hadn't really done anything with my life yet you kind of had got to have some gray hair and and lose some hair to really, you know, get it. I know that, uh, speaking of clutter, you've got seven kids. Did you say they're all boys? I got six boys, one girl, so seven Good kids. Heavens. The boys are nine to 15 and the girl is 17. Good heavens. So how does that work at home? Are you like a Captain Von Trapp with your household, keeping it clean and orderly? Or are they just, is it just madness? I'm more like Alice from uh, the Brady Bunch. Okay. <laughs> the cleaner. They Here's the problem with being, having your dad as a cleaning expert. I don't think anybody can do it right. I get mad. I complain all day that nobody helps and cleans, but when they try to help and clean, I get mad because they don't do it right, and then I just do it my own way. So I'm finally getting my boys to learn how to, I've, I've had, now they're old enough to get an allowance, and I'm like, hey, I'll pay you an allowance, but you have to fold the laundry properly. You have to do it this way, or you have to, do, you know, for me, like loading a dishwasher is like an Olympic event for me. Right. We, we have to load dishes for 10 people. And uh, so I'm teaching the boys now how to properly load the dishwasher. And it sounds silly, but like for me, I love to clean. I clean every day. I love it all day. It's very therapeutic for me. And it, and there's and to me, there's a right way and a wrong way. And I love it. Well, but you know, they've learned that trick. If I do kind of a half-assed version, he'll oh, come back and redo totally. it. <laughs> I saw my son one day. He took, a, he took a plate and he put it diagonal in the dishwasher. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, eh, dad, if I do it that way, then you come in and you finish it. I don't have to do it. Right. Like, they got you figured Christ. out. I was angry and I was also like impressed. You know, yeah. it's like, that's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course, you mentioned Hoarders and that was the first thing yeah. you were on. How did you get started on that show? Man, it's crazy. Uh, I had a kid that worked at VCU or was in VCU film department. A kid that worked for me, cleaned houses. And uh, YouTube had just come out. I mean, it just come out. And he's like, we're supposed to do something for YouTube to put it on. It's like this thing. I, I don't know. And I looked at it. And I was like, hey, it's not going to make it. Yeah, right. So we, he filmed us cleaning out a hoarder's house and he asked us some interviews and it got on, it went online before there was a thing. There wasn't a viral, wasn't a thing yet. And I may, I'll never forget in like two weeks, I get a call and this TV network's like, Hey, do you want to be, we're making a TV show about, about hoarding. Uh, we don't need you to be on. We just need a house to clean. We saw you on YouTube. We need to clean a house. And I remember thinking, I go, well, I got a bunch of houses. And they're like, we just to clarify. We don't need people to be on TV. We just need houses to clean. Right. We'll pay you 200 bucks. I mean, that was my rent. Literally, that was my rent. That was so, a long time ago. Malvern Manor Apartments, man. It wasn't oh, that expensive, you know? Yeah. But anyway, I end up, I meet them. And I took them to seven different hoarders. I was on a Tuesday. 
I'll never forget. They said, you're really good at talking to hoarders. Do you mind if we film it real quick? And I was like, sure. And I knew them. I'm like, I got them. Boing. And they get in and they, they interview me and they call me the next day and they were like, hey, uh, do you want to be on the show? You're really good. And I was like, yeah. I go, how much does it pay? And they go, it's $300. And I go, I'll take it. And the story now is, and I know the guy very well that, that pitched me. Uh, he goes, we were going to say a day, but you said yes before we could get the word a day out. And he goes, so we just paid you 300 bucks an episode. Oh, <laughs> wow. The first, the first season I did hoarders for 300 bucks an episode. I hope you're getting a little more now. I, yeah, it was like 350. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really surreal. So they delivered one through four. I watched episodes one and two of Hoarders, and I wasn't even on the show yet. And I ended up being on episode five and six. And then I ended up being on 14 more seasons of the show. It was pretty crazy. Great. How have you seen it changed over those 14 seasons? Well, TV changes everything, right? Like right. It, it ended up being more about the drama and less about the positive story. We never thought it would make it past one season. It's a train wreck. People are blown away by it. But I'll tell you, the emotional bits, these amazing people, they're just fascinating. And I think there's more, if you look at the hierarchy, you know, economically of Americans, there's more interesting stories in the people that have less money than the people that have more money. And I've found that for me, casting all my TV shows, if you're rich, the story's awful. The story is, I want to keep my wealth. Right, and it's right. just not much of a nice story there. Right. And for all of us that grew up poor, the story is about growing and, and thriving and succeeding. And it's a much more positive story. So I think that's one reason Hoarders has done really well, because I think all of us see a little bit of ourselves in Hoarders. And I, I said at one time, I, um, I had a guy on Hoarders. It's an old famous line. I said, I didn't mean to say it. It just came out. I was cleaning the house. It was in New York City. And the guy, uh, there was a hoarder that lived in this guy's yard. We were there to clean up the hoarder's house, but there was a bum that had created a shack in this guy's yard. And one of my deals was I had to clean out the bum's shack. Uh, he had two five-gallon buckets, one of poop and one of pee. And then he had a welder's kit. He goes, watch out for that uh, welder's kit. That's how I make my living. And I said, well, that's funny, man. That bucket of poop, that's how I make my living. <laughs> and, and I said, I have to ask you, how did you end up here? And he goes, well, you know, uh, this girl broke my heart. I go, really? He goes, yeah, I was a stockbroker. Wow. And his girl broke up with me. And I go, that's how you end up living in a shack? He goes, well, I got addicted to crack, too. Oh, there's that. <laughs> he yeah. goes, but mainly the girl. And I go, yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> and I just, and I looked at the camera and I said, I guess we're all five or six decisions away from pooping in a bucket. And that stuck. And that's when I realized this is what this show is about. It's about how we're all actually two or three different things. We all could end up like that. Right, right, and I think right. that's why that show has done really, really well. Now, you said you, you were assigned to clean up. So you actually... On that show and on Legacy List, you actually get in there and get your hands dirty. You don't oh, yeah. some, you don't point around and say, y'all pick this up, and then you go away. Oh, it's the I, I mean, I love it. I mean, especially on Hoarders. I mean, I'd be literally, I mean, at one time, I was my face was actually uh, covered in human feces because we were cleaning. Oh. And they're like, you got to wipe that off. And I was like, nah, it's the job, man. Let's do it. So, yeah, so I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm really lucky. My job is to help people, no matter how bad the situation. Yeah. And we happen to just also be filming a show. So is you ever seen something when you're cleaning all this stuff? It's like, maybe I'll keep that for myself. It's kind oh, of cool. God, yes. There's a lot of stuff I'd love to keep. Um, obviously, ethically, we can't. I did find Liberace's boots one Ooh. time. Uh, I ended up buying those at an auction. I, man, we found so many cool. I mean, we find money. We, we find money all the time. I mean, just sure. cash, stacks and stacks of money and stock certificates. And we found gold bars and a couch. And we found... Um, Actually, I found a, I found in Richmond one time, I found a roll 
of Richmond Trolley tokens. They were silver Richmond Trolley tokens. Wow. That was early in the days, and I bought them from the client. I've always, I, I tell you, probably my favorite thing was I found one of my dad's paintings in a house. Oh. In and, another uh, house, not in his house. In a, no, in another house in Richmond, like 15 years later. Wow. And my dad did a lot of paintings and written, and people collect them, and I'd never seen this one. And I found it, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, that's my dad. The business was big enough that I had to like, we're like, everything was going to auction. And so I started to bid on it and, uh, and I got outbid. Wow. Got too expensive. And you find out like, okay, well, how much do you love your dad's art? Well, not a thousand dollars worth. I'll yeah. tell you that. I like it. I like it around 200, you know? And I was like, oh, and so it, someone else won it. And, oh. uh, and when the kid came up to pick it up, he he writes like, you're, you're Ed Paxson's son. I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, you know, I'll give it to you for this. And I ended up overpaying for my dad's painting. So I have it. It's in my other office. But it was that was probably my favorite thing I ever found, just to oh, find your cool. art. But yeah, but it, I'll be honest, we find everything is interesting. But when you hear the stories, then it gets really, really That's interesting. Right. That was Matt Paxton, a Richmond native who's considered one of the top downsizing and decluttering experts in the country. His show, Legacy List with Matt Paxton, is on PBS. And he's also been a featured cleaner on the hit television show Hoarders for 15 seasons. We'll continue the discussion with more fun stories next week. Coming soon. In theaters. The Marvels. This latest entry into the universe features the return of Brie Larson with two additional women of superpowers. Journey to Bethlehem. This new version of the Christmas story features pop music and Antonio Banderas. The Holdovers. Paul Giamatti plays a cranky history professor who's forced to stay on campus over the holidays, especially with one troubled student. Directed by Andrew Payne. It's a wonderful knife, yet another killer on the loose, borrowed from a classic movie. This one casts the protagonist in a parallel universe where things get even more deadly. TV and streaming. The Killer on Netflix. Michael Fassbender plays the title assassin on an international manhunt from director David Fincher. The Ladybird Diaries on Hulu, a documentary taken from the audio diary of Ladybird Johnson. Robbie Williams on Netflix, a documentary on the English singer's 25-year career. A Murder at the End of the World on Hulu, a Gen Z amateur sleuth, Emma Corrin, tries to solve a murder in Antarctica. Albert Brooks Defending My Life on Max, a documentary about the comedian filmmaker, including interviews with Sharon Stone, Larry David, Conan O'Brien, and Jonah Hill. The Curse on Showtime. A husband and wife TV team host an HGTV show, played by Emma Stone and Nathan Fieldler. They suffer from the titular curse. For All Mankind enters its fourth season on Apple. I'll be back next week with part two of my interview with Matt Paxton. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more Sister, including literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.